What is going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode 101.0. And we are starting our new playthrough uh, of a semi-themed year. Because <laughs> are, are you implying we'll fall off the wagon? I, I'm implying that we will not do that many of these this year because wow. of how long they are. Because, and, and to be honest with you, I feel like it would not be in our best interests to do these back to back to back mm-hmm. because I fear we will get sick of them. Not because they're not good, but because there's just a lot to take in. And to be fair, they don't really change up the actual gameplay much. In fact, Yakuza 0 has a lot more gameplay mechanics in it than, let's say, Kiwami or even Kiwami 2. But we are playing through Yakuza 0. Uh, today I have the origin. A, yeah the origin the origin story I should say. Today I have with me Matt Quinn. Hello, friends. And so yeah, um, as we do with every new game, the beginning we always talk about our history with the game itself. And with this one, my history is a little weird. I have never played Yakuza <laughs> Zero. Um, I have played. Many Yakuza games, um, but I have never played this one in particular. Uh, this game was originally released uh, in 2017 in uh, North America. Fun fact, I didn't realize this. This was actually released on PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 uh, back in 2015 in Japan. So a good two years before it ever hit North America. And I believe... Mainly it was because this game was still, this game series was still kind of a niche title. Yeah. Uh, most people didn't really start talking about the Yakuza series until probably 4 or 0 came out. Um, and it's. Why do you a- think that was? Is it just, was there something about 4 or 0 that was leaps and bounds better or do you think it was just kind of a critical mass of the series has just slowly gained enough fans? I, I think it I think it was a little bit of both. I think I think more people started talking about it. Four had a lot of improvements. Three had a lot of improvements from the from the first two games. Um but four three began the slide into Schlock while mm. 4 leaned heavily into it. And that's what makes this series so good, is that you're playing this game that is very heavily focused on story. It is a very serious story about mobsters in Japan. It doesn't pull any punches sometimes. No, it does not. But then it gets hyper goofy at times. <laughs> um, 
And when they started really leaning into the hyper goofiness of it, that's when it became a little bit more well known. Uh, people, people would be like, Hey, have you checked out this Yakuza game? Yeah. You play as this gangster. And, and then all of a sudden he's talking to this naked dude. And, or, or it's like, you know, did you do this mission? Cause it's kind of really goofy. He pretends to be a movie producer and you have to go through this whole scene with like, producing a movie. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Sometimes the, the stuff these characters get into, um, Especially given the backdrop of the, you know, the serious story that's unfolding behind them. Yes. Right. This this stuff would be ridiculous anyway, but it's even more surprising or shocking juxtaposed against the, you know, the life and death nature of the, you know, the mobster families. Yeah. So, it, it, it I, I, you know, I, I couldn't really tell you. So, I. I'll tell you this, my history with the entire series, and I think I said it last week, I'll say it here. Um, when I was in college, I didn't play video games. I've told this story a million times. Uh, when I first started college, I, I kind of focused on college, and I focused on my studies, and, you know, drinking, and getting a little wild at times but I didn't really sit around and play video games that much um, and so for a, about two to three years there were two factors that kept me from playing video games the first one being obviously I wanted to focus on college and having fun with my friends and the second reason was because I thought my Playstation 2 was broken uh, it stopped reading disc it stopped receiving discs so i would close the tray the tray would close and then open immediately back up i couldn't figure out how to get it to stop i held my finger on the tray still wouldn't close um i put tape over the tray it would just sit there and never actually read the disc and then one day it just started working again I have no idea why i didn't do anything differently it just sat there collecting dust, and then one day it started working again. Need to take a breather. I guess so. Uh, and um, I was with a friend, and we went to GameStop, and I noticed on the shelf there was a copy of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, to which I asked the GameStop employee who I knew. I was like, when did they make a new Metal Gear game? He's like, dude, that's been out for like a year now. And I was like, well, I'm going to pick that up. So I bought Metal Gear 3. I played it, beat it, enjoyed it. Went back to GameStop and said, I want to pick another game out. So I looked on the shelf, and there was a game. I remember the case. Still have the case somewhere. I still got the game itself, the, the same copy that I bought. Mm. Uh, PlayStation 2 copy of Yakuza. Um, which back then I didn't know how to, how to pronounce Yakuza, so I called it Yakuza. Um, and I just thought it looked cool. Dude with a giant dragon tattoo on his back. That's all it was. You were, the Kazuma Kiryu is standing there and you're looking at his back while he kind of slowly turns around, kind of thing. And I was like, okay. I looked at the back of the box. Looked like, um, 
looked like something interesting. It was you know, obviously something to do with uh, Japanese gangsters takes place in what I thought was Tokyo, which kind of felt like it wasn't. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'll give this one a shot. And I played it, and I fell in love with it. Um, and the couple of reasons why is because of what this game actually was. So I went into it because I, I did do a little bit of research on looking it up and like what it was. For some reason, when they first started out, they were marketing this game as Grand Theft Auto set in Japan. Yeah, that's kind of how I always pictured it. Yeah. That is farthest from the truth than, than you can probably get with this game. Um, and when I played the first Yakuza, I, I liked the combat system. It felt like a beat em up. It kind of reminded me of like, um, like the old beat em ups, the Turtles in Time, Streets, stuff of, rage. Like Streets yeah. of Rage, stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I, I think I can get down with this. And I, I thought it was ridiculous. He like, he, he can pick up a motorcycle and slam it into somebody's head. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Um, and I kind of fell in love with the series. Yakuza 2 came out and, we finally got over here in the States and I was like, yes, purchased it right away. Uh, Yakuza one and two, three and four. I played on our old Twitch TV channel, which back then was Justin TV. Um, we streamed all four of those games, not back to back. You know, obviously we, we, I played them as they came out. Uh, but back in the day we did play all of those games. Um, and I got kind of like my, my group of friends involved in it and they, they really liked the series too. Thought it was ridiculous and funny and, and crazy and intricate. And so I've played Yakuza one, two, three, four. And I played parts of five. I can't remember. I don't think I ever finished five and I never played six and I never played zero. Um, but I do love the series. I think it's a fantastic series. It's, it's well thought out. It's well written. It's well acted. And that's the first thing I have to get into is that the first Yakuza game, uh, was fully voice acted in English. And, one of the first things I realized, one of the first things that really got me saying, I like this game, is that Goro Majima is played by Mark Hamill. Hmm. And he is doing a rated R version of the Joker. And it is See, absolutely when you say fantastic. That, when you say that, it does not match at all with the Goro Majima that I know from this game so far. And we're going to talk about that. Oh, I, I'm so fascinated to know what of of the game that we've played, you know, in the, in the game that we are playing, ends up being foreshadowing or revealing in ways that I don't have any idea about because I've never played these other games. Yeah, so there's a major thing that happens in Yakuza 1 at the very beginning of the game. That you're just like, oh, how'd this happen? And from what I understand, they're shedding light on it 
all of it mm. in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Majima, Goro Majima is an insane person. He's insane. He's crazy. He is essentially <laughs> the Yakuza version of the Joker. He's he's crazy. He he's he's wild. He's nuts. He has no problem murdering you. Um, he is the lifeblood of the Yakuza series. I'll go ahead and just say it. The thing is, and what we find interesting about this game, and what surprised me about this game, you actually play as Goru. Uh, Do you not in the other games? No. No. Uh. The other games, you only play as Kazuma. Kazuma. Kiryu. Um, I have, alright, so there's a few things I have to clarify here. I'm going to be calling these characters by their last names because that's how they refer to each other in this game. I will always know Kiryu as Kazuma because I played the original PS2 version of this game where Mark Hamill was calling him Kazuma Chan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so this is always Kazuma. In fact, that was that was kind of like a, a end joke with my friends. Every once in a while, we would be like, somebody would say something, I'd turn around and say, what are you going to do about Kazuma Chan? Because <laughs> that's, that's one of the lines he says. I think he, Actually, I think he says, the fuck are you going to do about it? <laughs> it's, Mark Hamill is so good. He is so fucking good. Do you but, know if that's still in the remakes? No, it is straight. Uh, it's straight Japanese. The only way to I, hear the English voice acting is to play the PS2 version of that game, or YouTube it, I guess. Or YouTube it, yeah. But uh, yeah, so the main character of Yakuza will always be known as Kazuma in my eyes, but for the sake of not confusing people or myself. I'm going to be calling him Kiryu. Um, same way with Majima. So they, so Kazuma, they always called him Majima in, in the, um, English version for some reason. I guess because it was basically like Kazuma wasn't friends with him. So he just called him by his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, anyway, Matt, what about your <laughs> history with this game? <laughs> well, one of the two of us has history with, with this game and series, and it is not me. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually, I really like your story of getting, you know, back into games with Metal Gear Solid and Yakuza. And, and I wonder if you equate them at all because of that, because there are some points in this game where I'm like, man, this is a lot of dialogue. This is almost Metal Gear-esque cutscenes and dialogue. Uh, one scene in particular, I, I assume you would know what I mean? Um, yes. So Reminiscent of Metal Gear 4? Uh-huh. So here's, here's the thing. They only get longer. Um... Yakuza 3 and 4 especially have Metal Gear 
cutscenes. I mean, they are they are full on like movie scenes. Yeah, with ridiculous action in them. Um, so Matt, well, since you say since you have no history with these this series, when was probably the first time you heard about this series? You know, I, I I've heard the name pop up a couple of times over the years. I, you know, I I I would don't know when the first time would be. Uh, but I I know that I never even looked into this series. So the thing that's most fascinating to me is that aside from us playing this series, I probably never would have picked this up ever in my life if we weren't doing it for Phoenix Down. And I, I don't know if that sounds negative on the series. It, it's not really. It's more just that this series, aside from the you know the occasional commentary mostly from you probably. I don't know how or why I ever would have said, all right, now's the time where the 50 other games on my list I'm going to ignore and I'm going to play Yakuza. Yeah. Especially if somebody describes it as, you know, Japanese GTA. Yeah, no, that's, that's horrible. I'm like, well, I haven't even played most of the regular GTAs yet. And, you know, like I, like I mentioned, in, in my mind, I was equating this more to true, true crime streets of L.A. And that, that's that's what I was envisioning going into this game. And I, I, I knew so little about this game, even going into it, even picking up the controller, having already downloaded the game, ready to start it. I still really had no idea what this game was. Right. Um, and if if somebody had described it as it sits... You know, it's it's a game that, alongside Metal Gear, got me into the series, and it's got Metal Gear like uh, Metal Gear like cutscenes, and it's you know it's driven by character growth, and you know I would almost describe this almost like a visual novel. I mean, there's so much story and dialogue. Yeah. You know, if somebody had spun this exact game differently, it, it probably would have crept higher on my awareness. But yeah, it. It's a, it's a strange and interesting game, but I don't know where it ever would have embedded itself in my life other than through Phoenix Down. Right. And I, th- I feel like the way you described it was probably the best way. It is a story-driven beat-em-up game. And, you know, it's there's tons of different things you can do in this game. Like not not just Yakuza Zero, but like the entire series has just so many like sub stories that really yep. branch off into like the goofiness of this game. I did one. I only did one real side mission, start to finish, because I. I mean, I mean, you know, not to get into it too much, but the, the game's not that hard, so I haven't even opened the wiki. At all, I have no intent to really follow it. I I don't know what I might be missing, but I also want to discover some things, and I can do that here. You know, there's enough clarity over what you need to do that I don't feel like I'm going to be lost in wasting time, even if that wasted time is is really, really fun, really interesting side stories. Unlike Zelda, where I felt like I needed, I, I would have just wasted as much time as I, I was making progress without the, the guide right here, here I can, I feel like I can make 
almost 100% directly forward progress if I want to without needing to look anything up. So so it's, a, it's a, definitely a different play experience here because I, I'm, I'm able to invest more into it you know, mentally because I don't have to keep looking things up. I only looked up one one thing one time in this game so far. And what was that? And that was where to buy Scotch whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> kind of figured. But uh, yeah, so I don't know how to approach. I do like the structure. So before you get into the story, I like the factor. And again, I don't, I don't know how much of this is foreshadowing. And I didn't know that you don't play as Majima in in the other games. But I do like that you've got kind of two lead characters. Each one is kind of separated. I assume that these stories at some point will interweave together. Uh, but you know, just. I just generally like that structure in in books, movies, games, whatever. I like that you're kind of juxtaposing these two characters by the simple nature that you're switching back and forth between them. Right. And they both kind of have their own compelling narratives and and rationales for things. And I, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing when they finally meet up after having played many hours of this game. Right. And then even wondering at that point which one I would root for if they do end up doing battle with each other. So I can, I can, hmm, do I want to tell you, <laughs> do I want to tell you how, how the, the relationship turns out to be? Um, no, I do not want to know. Okay. I won't, I won't tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty invested at the moment. Right. So I feel like the first thing I need to at least explain is the, the hierarchy of the Yakuza. Yeah, the families. Yeah, so the the place that we are at, the city that uh, Kiryu is in, is Kamurocho, which uh, I, I I think is a is is a borough of Tokyo. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely in Tokyo somewhere. Yeah. Um. But uh, the yakuza uh, has a hierarchy. Um, there are multiple clans and they each run their own area. The Tojo clan is the one that we're focusing on. The Tojo clan is, let's just say that's the umbrella. Underneath the umbrella are families. So there is multiple families under the same clan that typically work together, but meant sometimes they fight against each other uh, when they have arguments and things of that nature. Um, the main family that we are going to be talking about is uh, the Dojima family. The Dojima family is one of the largest families in the Tojo clan. Um, it is ran by a guy named uh, Sohei? Sohai? I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not sure. It's one of those two. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Dojima is his last name. He, he's, he's the head of the family. 
And then the family has its own kind of like lieutenants up under it. Then the lieutenants have the soldiers. As it stands right now, Kiryu, our main character, is a soldier that works in the Dojima family. His lieutenant just so happens to be the captain of the Dojima clan, or the Dojima family. Excuse me. Which means, if anything happens to the leader of the Dojima family, he takes over. Here's the confusing part. His name is Kazama. If we remember correctly, the main character, his he goes by his last name, which is Kiryu. His first name is Kazuma. So you don't want to confuse those two because when I first played this game, <laughs> not the the first game, they would talk about Kazuma, and I was thinking they were talking about the main character. No, they were talking about his boss. So, yeah, and I can't help but like, I'm tr- I'm trying to dissociate this from anything supernatural, but I cannot help but think about these clans and families and think werewolves. I mean, kind of. And vampires. Sure, if you want to. Because I, I feel like, I feel like where Kiryu sits in the pecking order is a pretty common starting place in a lot of those stories, right? He's new to the system. He's a bit of an outsider. He's strong but youthful. And his sire is high up the chain. So he's got this, like, people disrespect him because he's young, but they have to respect him because he's part of a, you know, a a, a strong lineage, a strong bloodline. And that kind of, that kind of uh, discrepancy of where he should be respected but where he needs to be respected always kind of sets up a little bit of, conflict with the other families and and I feel like you see that same thing here where he doesn't get respected from a lot of the other lieutenants yeah the so the other lieutenants really don't like Kazuma the captain uh so much so uh when this game starts which takes place in 1988 I should say which um, I, I like some of the nods to that, like the giant cell phones. Yeah, they they've definitely uh, pagers. Well, yeah, that's that's a main thing is your pager. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, so I say all that to say this: the other lieutenants that work under the Dojima family have. Different, gosh, how do you, how, how, how do I, this is so hard. There's, there's subsidiaries of families. So there is, <sighs> there's families inside of families. Yep. The, Basically, yeah. Pretty much. So there's the Tojo clan, there's the Dojima family. Which then has other, 
I, I'll call them families I, because I, I can't think of anything else to, to call yeah, them. Yeah, they're not all called families, but they all amount to the same thing. Yeah. So, and, and you have the three main lieutenants of this Dojima family, which, uh, gosh, uh, Kuze is the one we're mainly going to be talking about this episode. Yeah. Um, yep. There's a Shibuasawa, ba- Basawa. I'm reading Sh- these. Yeah, Sh- Shibisawa. Shibisawa. Um, and then there's another one, but I can't think of who he is. Uh, Hiroki Awano. Awano. Is it that they don't like Kazama, or that they just want to take his place as the Dojima family captain? Yes. The reason why is because they, they, they then get a shot at the head of the family. So it's like nothing personal. We don't we don't hate you, but we want you dead and out of the way. Yeah. So we don't know exactly what happened yet, but Kiryu, his, his patriarch, his leader... Um, Kazuma is currently in prison and has been there for six months because of something. We don't know what it is. or Well, the player doesn't know what it is. Obviously, the guys in the Yakuza do know, but they haven't alluded to it yet. They haven't told us what it was. They just know he's in prison. But they know that somebody either ratted him out or framed him for that. Why? Who knows? But, I say all that to say this. The beginning of this game has Kiryu, our main character, beating up some random dude in a open, empty lot. Now, He deliberately lets the man go and collects money from him. Kiryu then meets up with the person who wants the money collected, who was a loan shark. Um, And the business is done. The loan shark does ask him to, hey, why don't you come join me and work for me? I could use somebody like you. And Kitty was like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good with the family that I'm in. And that's the beginning of the game. I'm going to pause because all we're going to do is talk about story. <laughs> I'm going to pause and at least talk about the gameplay a little bit. Yep. Uh, and the, I do like that in the session we got, we've gotten loads of different fight styles. Yes. So that is a big thing about this game that they introduced in two, I think, or three. I can't remember. So but, was it just like a basic brawler in one and two? Well, you could upgrade abilities and you could learn yep. new abilities by spending points. So you technically leveled up in the first game. And in this game, they basically you spend your money to upgrade yeah, I, you. <laughs> I, I I love the the sentiment of the guy who's like you know invest in yourself. I'm like oh that's great yeah invest in yourself. But then then when you're spending 
$2 million yeah. to give yourself an ability. <laughs> How does that make any logical sense? Invest in yourself sounds great. It, that's one of those goofy things. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's like, I like how you fight, man. You should invest in yourself. He's like, what do you mean? Just, you know, put money in yourself. And then it goes to a menu saying, you spend money to upgrade yourself. <laughs> so money in this game is not only money and currency, but it's also your experience points. So, um, but so it, it is a brawler of a sort. There's a 3D brawler where you can switch between different stances that have different move sets, different ways of using a special thing called a heat meter. Um, the more damage you dole out, uh, the the more powered up you get. Uh, and there's three different levels of a heat meter. Uh, and you can also do finishing moves that do a lot of devastating um both in damage done as well as how it looks. <laughs> yeah. There are some hardcore. So <laughs> I, I, I do want to just say this one because I probably won't mention it again. Um, when you play as Majima, if you hold an umbrella and use a heat attack on that guy, like a finishing move, he stabs them with the umbrella in the stomach, opens the umbrella peeks over the umbrella and then stabs the person with a knife. And I'm like, that's brutal, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's goofy, but brutal. Yeah. It's, it's weirdly both like you're, I mean, you're like slamming heads into curbs and brick walls and doing all kinds of like vicious stuff. They don't accentuate it as much as they would. I don't know, like in a mortal Kombat game, but it's, it's definitely pretty brutal. Yeah. They do shy away from like that last 10% though. Yeah, you don't see like an eyeball pop out or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah, it's it's basically a beat em up and that's honestly that's 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 the majority of the the gameplay is just, you know, fighting guys in 3D arenas usually on the streets of you know, of the city. But, um, and, and I'll go ahead and say Majima gets all the best stances. He has the best stances in this game. Yeah. Because Kiryu, when I'm playing as Kiryu, the only stance I use is Rush. Yeah, me too. Definitely Rush. But Majima learns how to break dance fight. He also just pulls out a baseball bat, and his stance is called Slugger, where he beats people with a baseball bat. <laughs> and I'm just like, he's he's the best character in this game. <laughs> um, I but, didn't think I would use anything but the Slugger stance, but uh, you know, I found myself actually using the breakdancing one quite a lot. Oh my god, it's so good for it's so good for crowd control. Yep. If you got guys surrounding you, you just start spinning on your freaking head. With I your, mean, it, oh. it's basically as cheap as it's ever been since Eddie Gordo was uh, was introduced to us. <laughs> it's so good. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, all right. So back to the story. Cosma, uh, excuse me, excuse me. Here <laughs> to you. Here to you. Uh, does his job 
Jackson's the 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 loan broker, loan loan shark, whatever you want to call him, uh, on his way, and he goes and meets up with his buddy uh, Nishki. Uh, yeah, which... I, I got to do this part twice also because I didn't know how to save the game. <laughs> yep, me too. Me too. I was like, ah, oh, it's auto saved. Because at this point, like when we meet up with Nishki, we're already an hour in. Yep, that's how long the cutscenes are in this game. Um, but Nishki is <clears throat> a childhood friend of Kiryu, and uh, he's also in the Yakuza under the umbrella of uh, the Kazuma lineage. Uh, and they go a little bit deeper into that. Kazuma, not Kazuma, Kiryu. I'm going to keep doing that because I've always known him as Kazuma. But yeah, I the, thought you were talking about Papa Kazuma. No, no. Uh, Papa Kazuma, not... All right, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> Kazuma Kiryu. And what's the Kazuma, Kazuma guy's name? I don't even know. Anyway. Shintaro. Shintaro Kazuma. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, they grew up together. Nishiki and Kiryu did. Uh, they were orphans, and they grew up in an orphanage that was ran by Kazuma. Uh, they knew he was in the Yakuza, and when they turned 18, they both wanted to join the Yakuza, uh, and Kazuma didn't want to hear it. He didn't want them to have anything to do with the Yakuza. Stay away. Stay out of it. Yeah, violently opposed to it. Violently. Beat them up over it. But they were still adamant about it. Reluctantly, Kazuma allowed them to join under his umbrella. So, say all that to... Basically, this beginning part with Nishiki is just... Here's a tour of the city... Also, here's some tutorials, show you how to fight, that kind of thing. Um, but and also, here's you know immediately you get a lot of like character building. Yeah, right. In the, in the way the you get both of their outlooks on the world, you get their you know the, the discrepancies, the way they you know don't see the world the same way, but you still do get some friendship between them. So you know, I I thought this was a really nice way to start, just kind of walking around and. You know, I'm just kind of shooting the shit while walking around the city, talking yeah. about getting drunk and having drinks. And uh, Kiryu is a very reserved man. Yeah, he doesn't say much. He tries to stick to himself in most most situations. Doesn't uh, like flash. No. While Nishiki is almost the exact opposite. He's all about the ladies. He's all about you know having a good time and partying. Hey, man, we're yakuza. Nobody's gonna mess with us. Yeah, nice cars, nice clothes. Yeah. So, um, and this, this is basically just establishing their relationship. They're almost like, they're, they're basically brothers that act completely different from each other. Um, but anyway, uh, gosh, the next story beat, that's, that's the prologue. Chapter one begins. And that's when things really start to ramp up and haven't actually slowed down 
except in chapter three for us for a little bit there. So <clears throat> Kiryu gets a pager message. Well, they is did they see this on TV did when they, they were yeah? Did they see out, it? Out drinking? Is that the first thing that happens? They see it on TV. I, I think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Kiryu is like, oh shit. Yeah. So they they're watching. They're getting drunk at a bar, or maybe the day after when they're they woke yeah. It up. Might be the day after. The, yeah. yeah, when they woke woke up with the hangover. Um, they're they're watching the the local news, and the news is reporting on a murder that took place last night. Uh, it was in an empty lot, and there was a man that was shot and killed. Well, come to find out, that's the exact same place, the exact same man that Kiryu was beating up the night before. Now, Kiryu most certainly didn't shoot this guy. He didn't have a gun. He beat him up and collected money. That was it. Well, word travels pretty fast in the Yakuza. Hmm. He gets a, a pager, uh, beep. He got, he got beeped. Cause for, for the young people, a pager back in the eighties, when you had to get a hold of somebody, there was this device called a pager that would beep and it would give you a text number or with letters and it would tell you to call this number. You would then have to find a payphone and call that person back. That's how you used to communicate with people. Anyway, um, it was awful. Yeah. You, do you remember when you made plans with somebody and you said, "Hey, I'm going to meet you at seven o'clock at this place," and you got there at seven, and the other person met you at seven without ever having to talk to them again? Yep, without having to confirm six times and then have somebody not show up. Yep. And then if they didn't show up, you just sat around and waited until they did show up or just went home. <laughs> and then you'd be like, dude, what the hell the next day? And he's like, dude, my car broke down. That's a lot, a lot more trust in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So he gets a page uh, with uh, – they, they have their own little kind of like uh, – code certain things mean certain things and it's basically saying hey you need to you need to show up to uh the dojima family headquarters like right now so cosmo's like so they know not cosmo here are you basically he's like okay so they know they know what's going on so when he uh when he shows up, there's the three lieutenants. Um, Who look really good. Like, um, <laughs> I, I I don't know if it's playing it on the the PS5 or playing it on a 4K TV, but the the lieutenants especially look really sharp with a lot of pores. It's funny because I feel like so many games like discover the one thing that they're going to do and do it really well, like Mass Effect with its lens flare or Ghost of Tsushima with its random sweating. This game is definitely pores. This game loves its pores. 
Yeah, definitely. But it looks good. Yeah, it does look good. The facial animations are fantastic. There's like three different styles of cutscenes in this game. And it's weird. Yep. So there's the regular in-game cutscene. There's the full cinematic cutscene. And then there's this weird cutscene where it's like... A still background, a still frame, basically, with talking, but occasionally things will move, like somebody's eyebrow will raise or something. It's so weird. Yeah, and then there's a couple. Maybe it, maybe it's those, but there's a couple that I, I, I sat there just really trying to decipher whether it was a two D or a three D cutscene. Like there's there's a couple with with cars where you like you're seeing the city out out the windows. Yeah, I'm like I can't tell if that's like a drawing of a city or if it's like a rendered city. I I, I don't know why that even stuck with me because I'm like it, it it's so irrelevant. I'm like I just can't tell and it it's just strange in the context of the game. I don't know. So the three lieutenants are stand are sitting there, and they're basically like, "You need to get in here." Uh, the three lieutenants being uh. Shibuasa, Shibuawa, how you? I don't know. I'm butchering these names. Shibasawa, Shibasawa, Kuze, and Awano. Awano. Um, and they're basically like, all right, look, we know you had that deal going on with the loan shark. Did you kill this guy? And Kiryu's like, no. I beat him up, but I didn't kill him. He was still alive when I left. And they're like, well, they're going to realize that this was you, and that's going to link you to us, and we really can't have that right now. So we feel like it's probably in your best interest that you turn yourself in and just say you did this without... Yeah, I basically say you shouldn't have killed him and you absolutely shouldn't have killed him in that particular lot. Yeah. And so they're just like, you need to distance yourself from us and turn yourself in because we can't have this kind of heat going on us. Yeah, heat level three. Yeah. Which, which Kiryu's like, okay, well, I didn't do this. And the one that's really, really pushing this is uh, Kuze. Yep. Kuze is, man, the epitome of a douchebag. <laughs> I cannot stand this guy. Um, but he's really pushing it. We don't really know why just yet. So they give us, I don't know how long, I think it was like to the end of the day to turn ourselves in. But, um, Kiryu then meets up with Nishiki. Nishiki tells him, hey, let's go talk to somebody else. Somebody else that works for the family. And I, I don't know who this guy is. He seems to be a little higher up than Kiryu and Nishiki. But still not a lieutenant or something like that. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So it it looks like they go to 
like we were at the Dojima family headquarters, and now it looks like they go to the Kazama family headquarters. Right. Who so it sounds like this this guy is Kazama's right hand man. Right. That's what I'm thinking too. Um, and he tells a little bit more as to why the family is acting the way they are about this, which obviously this is a big deal, but the reason why is because the family has been trying to get a hold of that empty lot for a long time, uh, trying to buy it out. There's a couple of things they can't figure out. A, who actually owns it? They can't figure that out. B, if they do figure out who owns it, how do they get them to sell it? Or how do they get them to get out of there? The reason why is because it is completely surrounded by things that are owned by the Dojima family. And that's kind of like the last big puzzle piece that means they control the entire area. Yep, and then they can go and redevelop it and turn it into some... It, it, it's only, it seems at the moment, just to get that so they can basically bulldoze everything and, and redevelop. Yeah, and turn it into something that could be profitable, like, you know, I don't know, like a cabaret club. Or a prostitution house. So or, those are like the favorite things in, the, in this yeah. game. Uh, but uh, the, but it's it's prime real estate because everything else is already bought up. It's hard to get a hold of anything now. Nobody's getting rid of anything. This is the one lot we need. And for the past year, two years, we've been trying to get this lot. And you just killed a guy in it. Now the cops are swarming that thing. It's going to be on lockdown. We're never going to be able to find out who owns this lot and if we can ever get it. So that's the reason why they're acting the way they are. But here's the thing. I can't remember what this guy's name is, but he knows a little bit more information. Uh, the reason why is because they believe this whole lot thing is the reason why Kazuma is actually in prison right now. They don't know what happened. There was some kind of a feud between them. But the lieutenants fought with each other. Because they realized that whoever actually secures that lot will get in good with the boss of the Jojima family. That means they'll get promoted. Probably take, take, take Kazama's spot. Take Kazama's spot. Yeah. Uh, so... It's a, it's a recipe ripe for uh, infighting and backstabbing. <laughs> yes. Now, we also get a little proposition. Kiryu gets contacted by one of the lieutenants, particularly Kuze. And Kuze tells Kiryu, here's the deal. If you turn yourself in, you're going to go to prison. There's no getting around that. But I'll help you. While you're in prison, you're going to be right there with dear old dad, Kazuma. Kazuma knows something about that lot. He has information. Go to prison. 
serve your time, but also report back to me the information that he gives you. And I'll make sure when you get out, you're going to be right there with me. And of course, Kiryu's like, I'm not having anything to do with that. I'm not going to betray my, essentially, my adopted father. So, Kuze, he's like, why don't you think about it? I'll give you the day to think about it. So now we're left with a couple of options. Go to prisons, one of them, which we really don't want to do that. The other one being, figure out who exactly killed that guy. Clear our name. Clear our name, and then present that to the head of the Dojima family. Because they, they've already put this up. You know, because there, there's that missing link, and he's like, look, I, I, I didn't do this, so... You know, back off is what he could have said. But, you know, because there's so much here about honor and family honor and respect. Right. He can't just say, I didn't do it, shrug his shoulders and walk away. Obviously, he's, you know, he's tied into these families and what he did or didn't do, whether it did or didn't happen, the way it's reported still comes down on Kazama, not just on Kiryu. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's where I think, or that that's where he clearly has this extra incentive to clear his name, not just his own name, but to clear Kazama's name as well. Right. Because they're basically holding him responsible for it, too, because, well, he's the one that brought Kiryu into this whole Yakuza thing. Yeah, he's the one that turned him. So, um, the, the next thing we really need to do is hit the streets, figure out who actually owns this lot? Why was that guy killed there and who killed him? Well, while we're doing this investigation, the first thing we kind of figured we need to do is, is well, let's go talk to the guy who hired us to beat him up. Well, we try to go find him. And when we do, he has a gun. <laughs> And he is definitely afraid of Kiryu. And while holding a gun on us, lo and behold, Kuze shows up. Kuze is basically saying, okay, here's the deal. Yes, this guy works for me. Yes, we had that guy killed there. And the whole reason why was to get you to go to freaking prison. Because we are sick and tired of you and your daddy. <laughs> and we want that info. Yeah. So you kind of don't have a choice now. You just have to do it. So, unfortunately, it doesn't work out that way. Uh, Kiryu is basically stuck between a rock and a hard place. Doesn't know what to do. Um, also, uh, after this time, the head of that loan shark company, he's killed. Yeah, the, and we're pretty sure Kuze killed him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But uh, so, yeah, now now we're kind of stuck out of options. The only thing we can really do is try to convince the other lieutenants or the head of the Dojima family himself that I didn't do this. So we hit the streets again. We find out that there is a real estate company that has been taking over properties in the area by even running out some of the Yakuza guys. And successful guys. So not really like common, like buying dumps and then converting them and upscaling them, but there's enough of a... Enough of an illogical bent to you know the work getting done that it raises some suspicions, right? Why, why would you challenge the yakuza's? Why would you take businesses that are you know making money and, and successful and force them out just to put your own businesses in? Right. And so we go on this whole long quest line of trying to figure out what this company is because we're actually approached by. The uh, the head of the company, which was what was that guy's name? Tachibana. Tachibana. That's it. Tachibana. But, so that that's all. That's all the start of chapter two. We we have the big climax at the end of chapter one first, right? Or did did some of this happen still in chapter one? I think that with with Kuze telling us to. To basically, you're screwed because he was the one that hired. He's the one who got got the guy killed. That's the ending of the to the chapter one, right? I I I think I thought after that we go back and basically go to meet Dojima himself to try to get him to let us out of the clan. Was that the first chapter? I thought that was the second chapter. Uh, well, not you. Uh, yeah, you may be right. Yeah, you're right. I, I thought everything having to do with the real estate broker was really the second chapter. That is, that is. We meet the real estate broker, but in chapter one, but we don't go and actually try to find this guy until chapter two. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that, that the end of chapter one is pretty crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, let me reverse. We we got to go back. There's a lot here. So you have to excuse me if I don't have everything. Yeah, no, proper. this is <laughs> there. There is a lot of story to this game, absolutely. Yeah. So in order to save Kazuma, who is currently in prison, from basically getting either killed or or removed from the Yakuza, Kiryu finally says, "All right, look, why don't I go to the head of the Dojima family and just tell him, look, I want to quit." I want out of the Yakuza. I'm a civilian now. And leave my dad out of this, essentially. So that's what we do. Everybody's telling us, no, you shouldn't do this. You're going to be a dead man. Like the Yeah, you don't, you don't just get out. You don't yeah. just leave. You don't leave the Yakuza. But um, Kiryu decides to go do it. Um, and in doing so, he runs into... Um, Kuze. Uh, and Kuze's like, what are you doing here? You should be turning yourself into the cops right now. And Kiryu's like, oh, I'm not doing that. In fact, I'm going to go talk to the to the head. And he's like, like hell you are. 
So we get into a fight with him. I like the the verbal baiting a little bit too because he's basically like, let me out. And then Kuze is like, no, we're going to have you killed. You know, and, and there's just a little bit of wordsmithing that goes on. He's like, well, now that you're out, we can have you killed. And Kuze's like, all right, well, you said I'm out. Therefore, now I can fight back and it's not, you know, it's not in family fighting. And I, I like how he tricked him a bit. Yeah. And then that, that you know, that's basically the instigating point. And now he's like, all right, now I can fight my way through this whole building. I don't give a... You know, I don't give a crap about any of you. You're not. I'm not. I'm not in anymore. Yeah, you're not part of my family anymore. So, yeah. Uh, but we do have our first actual boss fight, which is with Kuze. I had to do this like three times, dude. Yeah, I actually got really lucky. So, but before this fight, you know, you you kind of get the sense. I mean. The story is well written enough that you get the sense that you're building here, right? Like you're going to see the the fam, you know the the you're going to see Dojima. This is the head of the clan. You know that it, it's going to be something climactic. So I certainly was expecting a battle and went for the first time and like stocked up on health items. I did too, but man, he was still rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the first part of it's easy, but. You'll find out boss fights when they go into heat mode. Wow, yep. they can take some hits. Yep, and they can they can juggle you a bit too. Oh yes, they can. But uh, I was able to finally defeat him after like three tries of this. But uh, so after we beat him, we then move on to the <laughs> the actual head of the Dojima family. I, I do love the scene where he has to uh, he has to pay for his crime against the family. Yeah. So uh, Kiryu comes out and is like, "Look, Kaze over here, or, or, or what was it like? Kume, Kuze, Kuze, Kuze. Yeah, Kuze over here is bringing shame to the family. Uh, he had a guy killed in that little lot, all to try and screw over." my adopted dad who's in prison right now and there's no telling why he's in prison it's probably something that he did anyway so and he uh, had me ejected from the family without asking dojima yeah had kiryu ejected so uh dojima who comes out he he, he is he looks like he looks like a boss doesn't he yep yeah he definitely does he looks like a <laughs> 1980s Japanese boss. He's got like the, he's got the Jeffrey Dahmer glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out in what looks like a kimono. Yeah. And he's just, uh, he's got this attitude about him. He's very stern looking. Yep. Very stern. Very, very like powerfully quiet. Yeah. And the other lieutenants are there. And, uh, when, Kiryu comes out and tells him all this. He's like, okay, well, um, Kuze, you know what you need to do. And the other lieutenants are like, they just go ahead and just bring out a knife and they bring out a little block and he has to put his pinky down <laughs> and he has to <laughs> cut off his own pinky. 
Which he does. Like, almost no hesitation. Yeah, which seems to be their shame because uh, they were basically telling Kiryu that he was going to have to do that. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if you leave or if you leave the family, you at least have to cut off a finger. Yep. Although, I don't know where they were drawing the line between that and just having him offed completely. That's true. So far, they've they've tried to kill this guy like four times. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, and, and in this cutscene, um, Kiryu also speaks with, uh, Dojima, who honestly is not liking any of the situation. He doesn't like how his lieutenant screw in the family over. He also doesn't like that Kiryu, who is this young, you know, 23 year old guy who just joined the Yakuza like two or three years ago is, you know, trying to make demands. Uh, and he kind of puts Kiryu in his place too. Yep. And is like, all right, you're out. There's no coming back. If this is what you want, you got it. And Kiryu's like, yes, this is what I want. He's Basically like, saying, I will do anything. I will give my life to clear my name, clear Kazama's name, and not bring shame onto the Dojima family. Yeah. And so Dojima's like, all right, fine. You're out. I don't ever want to see you again. Get out of here. Yeah, which, uh, okay, that's the rule. But listening to what he just said, I mean, he's willing to give up his life to save you from shame. And that's 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 the response. I never want to see you again. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess they're honor Trump's logic or rules and traditions Trump logic. But, you know, here's someone saying they will put down their life for you. And you're just like, I don't want to see you ever again. And that's the end of chapter one. Kiryu is now out of the Yakuza. And he is now going to try and clear his name. To obviously not bring shame to the Dojima family. But also to not go to jail. (laughs) And that's when we are met by the the real estate head honcho Tashibana and Tashibana is like hey I'm actually here to help you uh would you please join me <laughs> and Kiryu's like no I'm good I, I I don't work for the Yakuza anymore and I don't really care who you are I uh I have better things to do right now like clear my name and basically ignores him. To which the next day he's talking with Nishiki and Nishiki's like, yeah, but he probably knows something. You might want to go talk to him. <laughs> well, Kiryu's like, well, let me just go around town and see exactly what this real estate, this real estate company's been up to. Yeah, and here's where I had my first like, oh man, is this the type of wall I'm going to hit in this game? Because it's like the one part where they don't direct you exactly where to go. Yeah. And it's basically just wander around town until something happens. I'm like, really? That's the direction you're going to give me? Yep. Gather information. The only good thing I will say is that the town, the map is not that big. Yep. So 
you eventually are going to run into the people that you can talk to. But, um, yeah, we have to gather some information. And basically, uh, we find out that there is like a apartment complex or there's a complex where they are currently trying to buy it out. When we arrive there, we uh, see a man who runs a bar, who has a family, and he's the only tenant left in the building who has not sold out to this this company. So Kyrdu's like, look, I just want to know what they're up to. Like, how do I find the head honcho? And at that time, the guys show up. Not the not the actual leader, but his kind of his right hand man shows up along with a few goons. And they're like, Okay, this is your last chance. We're gonna buy you out. And gives him like good God, how much money was it? It's like four hundred thousand yen. Yeah, I, I thought it was something like six million in the end. It could have been. I can't remember. So I think it was. I thought it was stacks. He's like, here's two. Now here's two more, and then here's two just as a bonus. Yeah. And the guy's like, "No, I'm not going to do it. It's not about the money. It's about the principle." He gives this long sob story, and Kiryu's like, "All right, leave the guy alone." He's like, "What are you going to do?" He's like, "You a yakuza?" He's like, "No, not anymore." But you got to leave this guy alone. And the guy's like, all right, fine. We're out of here. He leaves. Throws the money at the guy. Throws the, the money owner. at the guy. And they, as as soon as they leave, the guy starts gathering up the money. He's like, all right, idiots. I'll take it. Take Kiri, it and run. Kiryu's like, well, you just gave this whole speech about being the principal of the thing. He's like, dude, <laughs> people in this building were selling out of, at, out at the first offer. They're idiots. All you got to do is just hang out for a little while. They'll give you more money. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm out of here. Yep. I got my payday. Yep. And Kiryu's like, oh, geez. But, unfortunately, we don't have much more information. When we leave the building, though, we notice there's a few, uh, a few hobos hanging around. And Kiryu asked one of them, he's like, hey... Where'd all your friends go? <laughs> They're like, oh, they went on to the next job. And he's like, what, next job? What are you talking about? I said, yeah, the uh, the real estate company, they hire us to go and bum around places that they want to buy out to make it look bad and make people want to move. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's go talk to some hobos. <laughs> Uh, and we find some hobos, uh, sitting around a, a, a barrel fire because of course that's what hobos do. They hang around barrel fires and, uh, we're like, okay, so, uh, you guys have been hired by the, uh, the real estate company, right? And they're like, yeah. What can you tell me about them? Well, can you get us some booze and I'll tell you. <laughs> so these guys have crazy tastes. Got to get one of them sake. Got to get one on beer. You got to get one of them champagne, <laughs> scotch, sochu, 
I don't know what that is. Uh, I thought it was pretty much like sake. I think I've had it a couple of times. Is is what is sake considered a liquor? Yep. Okay. Made from rice. Is it like strong? Uh, well, th- th- there's two different types. I- I've had quite a lot of sake in my day. I-, I I don't know if this part's true. I've heard that the hot sake is like lower quality, and that's why you heat it up a little bit. To me, it tastes a little bit like weak vodka. Okay. Uh, but that's that's for kind of like the hot clear sake. The what I like is the nigori sake, which is unfiltered. So it, it settles out pretty quick. But you you know if you if you mix it all up, it, it's kind of like a creamy white color, and it's just got a lot more like sweetness and and flavor to it. It doesn't really taste at all like weak vodka. Gotcha. Um, and you can kind of sip it a little bit more like wine. But yeah, that 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 I like quite a lot. The, the hot sake, you know, it's got its place, but it's not really uh, nice to sip on. Never had sake, but um, yeah. So we had to go get the get these guys booze. I apparently got an achievement for this, and I didn't realize it. So I went to uh, I had to warm around this whole freaking map to go into different stores. Yeah, and I found champagne. And it was like really expensive, but I got a lot of money, but whatever. So I w- bought it. I got an achievement for giving him like the most expensive champagne. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It was like a rare achievement. It was one of those that pops up and it has like the diamond. Makes it like it makes oh, wow. it makes a different sound whenever you uh, unlock it. I was like, oh, this is a rare achievement. Apparently people don't know to get the, I didn't see any other champagne options. <laughs> I have at least two champagnes. I don't think either of them were the good champagne, though. Yeah, this is like, I can't remember what it was called. It might have been called Gold Champagne. I can't remember. Yeah, because I've got one that says it's low quality. And then ah. I've got one that says basically tastes better than it should or something. Like it's, you know, it's it's good for its price, basically, but it's not high end. Hey, I got you. I don't know anything about champagne. It's not Dom. Dom Perignon and Cristal, right? Those are the two top name ones. I, I guess. I mean, I, I've heard of both of those, but I couldn't tell you if those are good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're unaffordable. Yeah, I, there's no way I'm going to spend that much money. But, uh, yeah. I had to buy these guys booze, and they tell us, okay, well, yeah, they've got us going to this, uh, this new site. And, um, oh, geez, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on where we go next. They don't actually tell us the headquarters, right? Uh, I don't think so. No, we run back into the lieutenant of the, or the right-hand man again. Oda. Yeah, and he tells us where to go. But I can't remember how we ran into him. Do you? Uh, no, maybe they do just tell us because I think that you know the next thing we do is have a fight with Oda, and I think that's isn't that in the room? Yeah, that's in, that's in the the headquarters. Yeah, so it must have been from the 
from the bums. They told us how to get to the. Th- but they didn't though. They they told us where their next job was. Yeah, where where the Tachibana's men are. But maybe it was the same area. Maybe where the men are is at the the penthouse that we we spent some time in. Right. Well, anyway. Regardless, I don't think any big story beat happens there. The next big story beat is going to Tachibana headquarters. And we're told to go there by Oda, who is like, yeah, you want to meet the boss? You want to join up with us? Sure, come on. So, uh, when we get was there... It, was it the very first meeting that was strange? Like, right after we leave the, the Dojima family, the first time we talked to Tachibana... It was out in the street we, while it was raining? Well... I, I thought we were like in the penthouse showering in his shower and he or is that is that next when when he like he's eating breakfast and he's like, you know, eat with me. But I, I was confused why Kiryu was showering in this strange guy's apartment. I think that's next after this. Right? Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I guess it must be because I, I thought it was when he first meets him and he says, "Join me," and then he says, "No," and then and then we come full circle, coming back to meet him. But it, yeah. <laughs> but I, it, it must have been after this. I can't. I can't remember now, but I do remember that. But uh, well, e- either way, it's strange to be in this guy's apartment showering. I think. <laughs> well, yes, it is. So, um, as soon as we get to. Tachibana's headquarters. We get beat, like attacked by the guys that, that are there. We have to beat up all the guys there. And yeah, we Oda it... sent us there, and then <laughs> and then we think we have a, an easy way in, right? Yeah. You know, we were sent there to meet the boss, and we were getting attacked here as soon as we walked through the door. And uh, when we get to the penthouse, Oda's there. And he's like, yep, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> and he pulls out a, a metal tonfa and tries to go to town on us. <laughs> now, I got beat once here and had to redo it again. Um, But uh, I was able to beat him up. After doing that, Tachibana actually shows up. And it's like, so what's going on here? Uh, and he's like, ah, it's just a little test. We're just testing to make sure he is what he is. That seems to always be what it is. Yep. Need to make sure you're worthy. But Tachibana gives us a little bit more of a reveal. He's like, the reason why I approached you to begin with is because I've been looking for you for a long time. I was actually hired by your leader, your adoptive father, Kazuma. He was told, I was told, uh, right before he went to prison to seek you out because there's something big happening in the Dojima family. And then he got put away. I am also the person who bought the empty lot 
that the Dojima family wants. And I did it at the request of Kazuma. But I'm not supposed to release it to anybody. So, it sounds like Kazuma realized something was going to happen in the Dojima family and got the only trump card that he could through Tachibana. And with that revelation, ends chapter 2, and when chapter 3 takes you know, kicks in, we realize we're not playing as cure to you anymore. Yep, he's nowhere to be seen. The next thing that happens, we're in a different borough of Tokyo. I can't remember the name of this. It starts with an S. But, uh, uh, what's that? Like, not Shobani. I can't remember. But I, so, Sotenbori in Osaka. Sotenbori? Yep. So it's not even in Tokyo, it's in Osaka. Yep. Gotcha. So, <laughs> the I, I absolutely love the way they set up this entire chapter. The opening cutscene is these two businessmen who walk into this cabaret bar club thing. And it's only following them. The boss businessman is like, yeah, I don't know about this place. This is, it's probably ran by the Yakuza or something. And there's a lot of unsavory characters here. Maybe we should get out. Yeah. And his underlings like, ah, don't worry about it, man. This is great. We're going to have a good time. We're going to, you know, get loaded. We're going to have, you know, girls hanging all over us and stuff like that. I and thought this guy was being was being brought in to be assassinated. That's what I thought, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, yeah, they they go and sit down and they're having a good time. And one of the guys in the front row, front booth, is well, he's having his way with one of the girls. So there's one thing I need to to explain is. Uh, and they, they, you see it a lot in the Yakuza series. In Japan, and I, I'm guessing they still exist, I don't know. In Japan, they have these things called hostess bars, which are basically just a bar where you can rent the company of a young woman. But it's yeah. I, I can't tell if they pay for it or if that's just like that's part of it. A perk of being in that bar. I don't. I I don't know. Somebody can probably shed some more light on this, but um, but it's not a strip joint. These women don't get naked and do that lap dances. They're also not prostitutes. They are basically an escort. Without any other perks. Um, 
it's basically just a, a lady comes and sits down with you and has some drinks with you and gives you a conversation. Um, but anyway, one of the patrons of this cabaret uh, is having his way with a woman. He is groping her, acting belligerent. He's obviously drunk. And uh, he, a waiter steps in and is like, Sir, you need, to, you need to stop, please. And this guy is not having it. Shoves the guy down. And they're like, okay, we're calling the manager. The manager comes in. Starts from, you see a, like a silhouette of a man. Starts up from the, from the shoes. Slowly rises up. Shows his face. Now, I recognize who this was straight from the shoes. <laughs> that's, that's Majima right there. And it is Goro Majima. I know him well. Because I've played the other Yakuza games. And I said, oh hell. This man, who is acting the way he is, is probably going to get murdered by him. In front of all these people. Because I know Majima. What happens is some of the best bait and switch I've seen in a video game in a long time. And they're playing off the fact that other the other players of this game have played the other games. They know that Majima is an insane person. Majima is the most courteous and nice person you have ever met in your entire life in this cutscene. Hmm. He walks up to the man and says, please, would you stop accosting the women here? He's like, we want to treat you with respect. And the big title here is, is the customer is the king. And the guy takes full advantage of that, grabs an entire bottle of champagne Pours it on Majima. Majima says, thank, <laughs> thank you, sir. I've always wanted, always to, wanted try. to try this vintage. Yep, I always wanted to try this one. He's like, is there anything else I can do for you? And that's when I'm like, all right, any minute now, any minute now, Majima is going to stab this man. <laughs> and it never happens. We even get into a fight with this guy. And we are, we are told, do not hit this man. Just dodge his attacks. And that's what we do. And every time we dodge his attacks, he like taps him on the shoulder and he's like, I'm over here. <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, would you like a warm towel? <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, um, after this, this little fight scene here, uh, he kills him with kindness, as they say. To the point where they're like, okay, we're going to have you arrested. But if you apologize to everyone here by buying everybody their round of drinks, 
I think we cannot ruin your life because he was a dentist or something. I can't remember. He's like, we won't, we don't, why should we ruin your life because of one thing? So why don't, why don't you do this? Let's just try and make it a good night for everybody. And we'll forget any of this happened. Just buy everybody here drinks. He's like, okay, yes, I'll do it. I am so sorry. I acted like a fool. And he got exactly what he wanted out of it. And I was like, that's perfect. Yeah, it's cool that he, he maintains he maintains this allure because, right, because everybody's like, oh, the manager's coming. You got to see this guy. He's, you know, he, he's he's the talk of the town. And, you know, he, he does that. You know, he does keep the customers king. He also makes the club money. So you, you get a lot out of this sequence, his style, his thought process, his intelligence in, in kind of bending this drunk guy to his will. So it's, a, it's an interesting set of exchanges, I think. Absolutely. Sure. And then you, you mentioned kind of like a – almost like a bait and switch. Like it, he, not, it, what happened wasn't what you expected. I like that there's another one of those when it comes to the the guy who walked in the club that was the focus of the start of the chapter. It was scared of the Yakuza. Right. I, I like that that's quite the switch from what you expect. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a it's a smart chapter. So yeah, it's a it's a well written like that. You're introduced to some characters in interesting ways. Absolutely. So this is basically this chapter is basically just the introduction to Majima, and um, so Majima runs this cabaret club, which is the what's it called Grand Cabaret. Yep, Grand Cabaret. Yeah, the Grand as they call it. And, um, he, um, now that the night's continuing, uh, and this, uh, this dentist has agreed to pay for everybody's drinks, uh, Majima gets a report that there is a guy disordering everything on the top shelf, man. He, he's like, he's racking up and we kind of can't have that. So Majima's like, all right, I'll go talk to him. And when he goes and talks to him, he recognizes him. And he's like, sir, would you please come with me? We would like to speak in private for a minute. And the guy's like, all right, fine. And of course they sit back in the, uh, in the back. This is when we finally get the real Majima. So we, we go to the back and Majima, Majima starts talking to him, obviously like he knows him. And he's like, what the hell are you doing here? Why are you here? And that that's when you see Majima is putting on a facade and he's doing it because it is the best way to handle running this business because he's obviously the best cabaret club in town. But the man that he is speaking with, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember this man's name, but, uh, Sagawa, Sagawa, so this guy is Majima's previous lieutenant in the Yakuza, but not part of the Tojo clan. Yeah, definitely not. Um, 
and he's essentially the owner of this club while Majima is the one who runs it as the manager. But he's doing it secretly because the the Yakuza doesn't want anyone to know that this club's ran by the Yakuza. And they have put Majima in charge of it to keep the day-to-day operations running smoothly. Also, it is revealed that uh, Majima is no longer in the Yakuza. He has been expelled from the Yakuza, but is still employed by the Yakuza because of something that has happened in the past. And And desperately, desperately wants to get back in. And he really wants to get back in. So he's doing everything that he can to keep this guy happy. Even though he can't stand him. So. um, Talking business. Wanting more money. And he's like, I'm already bringing in a ton of money for you. Why do you want more? He's like, you got to keep up with your standards. So Majimi's like, okay. i got to get some more money makers. Which means... I need to get me some more escorts. I need to get some more, um, I guess, I don't know what to call them, hostess. I mean, that's that's what they're called, but I mean, I was like, yeah. yeah. I need to get some better hostess that will bring bring in more customers. Well, what better place than to start with this competition, which is the Odyssey Club. So we leave the Grand to go scout out the Odyssey. And uh, there's a couple of options here. We can gather some more information on the Odyssey if we want to, or we can just go straight to the Odyssey. Did you gather any information, Matt? Uh, Yeah, I I wasn't sure how I would know if I had it all, but I did gather two different pieces of information. I did as well, but I think there was more because Majima himself said, man, if I'd have done a little bit more research, I probably could have got more. That's what he said. Yeah. But um, anyway, um, we go to the Odyssey and we pretend to be just a customer. He kind of goes incognito. So uh, one thing I should mention is that uh, Majima is a slender man uh, with a ponytail and a eye patch. He is missing an eye. And when he goes incognito, he puts on sunglasses instead of an eye patch. <laughs> Clark Kent style. Yep. So um, he shows up there as kind of like just a, a customer, scouts out the place, and he's looking for a hostess in particular, the the best hostess that the Odyssey has. He's wanting to get her come join him and so we do this little little small mission with with him talking to a hostess and trying to butter her up to get her to basically spill the beans on how to get how to get this this one hostess to come join him when he is confronted by the owner of the odyssey who is i'm assuming yakuza i can't tell He's definitely not fooled by his expert disguise. No. He's like, oh, it's Majima. 
how dare you come up here and st- try to steal my stuff? <laughs> Which Majima, once again, playing off as the customer is king. He's like, look, I'm trying to help you out. I've noticed through your clientele that you're not getting the best that you can get. You're basically catering to old men when you could be getting a lot of younger people in this club. And he gives them all this information, all this this advice, and is like, so how about this? Let's make a deal. I'll trade you some of my girls for your one. Also, I gave you some valuable advice that you need to take. And it makes a deal. All right. Sounds good. And in doing so, I, I when I returned to the club, it's 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 told that there was actually a couple of other girls who joined him. Yeah, yeah, I had that same thing. So that sounded great. And that's basically chapter three. Is just learning who Majima is. He's obviously used to being the yakuza, not anymore. He's now running this club for the Yakuza and he really wants to get back into it now on to chapter 4 in chapter 4 continuing the saga with Majima he gets a visit from his Yakuza boss again tells him which I like this place that they go it's like a little sushi cart yeah I, I, I like that I'm like look they're drinking sake eating sushi and it almost looks like a room, but it's really just outside on like a cart. I'm like that. I, I want. I want to do that next time I go to Japan. That is like uh, like the Blade Runner. Uh, yeah, the little like Chinese cart area, yeah, street outside. food, I guess. But it's almost like it's got a little bit of a personal, almost secluded touch, as much as you could get in a street cart, I guess. Yeah. So. Um... The Yakuza boss tells Majima, I need you to do something. You want back in, right? Yeah. Money's not going to do it. For some odd reason, you want back into the Yakuza. And this is where we get a little bit more backstory on Majima himself. Because they talk about his past. So Majima had a brother. And they were both in the Yakuza together. His brother came up with the grand idea of taking out one of the leaders of a rivaling clan along with multiple of his bodyguards. And they both devised this plan together without consulting with anybody else in their clan um, and in the most ridiculous way possible. They bought six revolvers off the black market because obviously in Japan, firearms, personal own, personal, I guess personal firearms is illegal there. So they had to they had to smuggle them in, and they're going to do a hit on 
this this rival clan's leader. And the their family finds out about it and stops Majima from going on the hit. His brother still goes. And in one of the most ridiculous looking cutscenes. <laughs> yeah. It looks, sh- like, looks like a western of some sort. It shows his brother walking with two revolvers, one in each hand. He's got two revolvers in his belt. And he's got one revolver in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently he goes in there and kills 15 guys. Ballsy. Yeah. Um, but the the his the the family their family stops Majima from going, saying it's a suicide mission. You're insane. You don't get to do this. Also, what the hell are you doing this anyway? So, for an entire year, his family puts him in what they call the hole, which is. They don't kill you, but they torture you day in and day out. Make you wish you were dead. Make you wish you were dead. And this is how Majima loses his eye. They pluck out one of his eyes. Now, after some time, after a year, the... It's not the head of the... of the clan, I think it may be one of the lieutenants or the head of the family that he was in decides to... The the one that reminds me of Kingpin? Yeah, pretty much. He decides to let him go and then basically comes up with the plan of let's, let's kick him out but have him run something for us. And that's where we are. Now, after this flashback, the uh, the lieutenant of his ex-family gives him the mission of a hit. Are you willing Which to kill he somebody? described very openly in front of the sushi maker. That's what I thought the entire time. The sushi maker... I was like, how do you not kill this guy on the way out? Like, he knows a bit too much, maybe, huh? Yeah. The sushi maker is probably, ah, it's just Yakuza crap again. I'm just going to leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> just keep making my sushi. So, anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, crap, I had it up here. So, um... He he's tasked with killing a uh, uh, basically a person around a prostitution ring. A person by the name of Makoto Makimura Kimura Kimura Makimura Makimura Makimura. See, I I don't know. I, I see Makimura and just say that it's Makimura. So Makoto Makimura. Um. Uh, and from the way it's described, this dude is a complete and utter piece of shit. He 
preying on girls, college-age girls. College-age girls who don't have much family, don't have much of a life, taking them in and basically forcing them into prostitution. And if they ever get out of line, threatens to kill them. So, should be a pretty easy hit. He's a piece of shit. We want him dead. You're doing the world a favor. Yep. And he's like, are you willing to do that? And the Majima's like, yes. Of course I am. If it would get me back in the Yakuza, yes, I will do it. So that is our mission. Find this Makoto and kill him. So we got to get some information. Who is this person? The only thing we know is uses young girls, college age girls, to do his his well. He's, he's pimping them out. So we need to figure out how to get a hold of some hookers. Now, this next part is weird because I have never heard of this before. I have heard of this, but I've never heard of this actual establishment. It's a... He calls a phone sex line, but he goes to a building to do it? Yeah, I assume that that building had more than just this in it. Like, I assume it had, like, rooms and movie screening rooms and phone rooms. I, I imagine and there was a lot of what happened here. And he, he just took one of the phone rooms and because the tip was that Makimura was was recruiting girls using this phone lines. Right. So he basically just went there to to try and back get the information and say, all right, well, I'll just find one of the girls by having them call. Right. And so he spends like 90 minutes trying to get somebody. He keeps getting like people who are like middle-aged or have kids and stuff like that. Finally gets a college girl and is like, hey, I am actually a reporter and I'm actually trying to do an interview with Makoto. I was wondering if you could set up a uh, a meeting. And she's like, well, I guess let's meet up. So we meet up with this girl, pretending to be a, a, a reporter. She's very reluctant to go out with us and talk about this person. But we have to basically do things for her. We take her out to eat, uh, 20,000 yen worth of sushi. We win her a prize at the, the UFO, like, um, claw machine. And uh, we then also go to a disco. <laughs> um, she gets accosted by a couple of guys there who she had prostituted before. Um, she also, during this time, finally spills the bean on beans on this Makoto person and says that the, the person is actually one of the nicest people she's ever met. Saved her life. Saved her life. She she was in a bad way. He took her in, protected her, and if there's ever a problem with a John, if they ever get out of line, I can call them up 
And he's there in a heartbeat and beats the shit out of him. I have never felt better working for somebody. And that's when Majimi was like, are we talking about the same person here? What, like, what are you talking about? What? I thought this person was a piece of shit holding you hostage. Yeah. And she says, like, she's like, all over the city, you'll find girls that have similar stories about how, you know, about how Makimura saved us and rescued us. Yeah. So, uh, he's like, all right, well, where can I find this guy? She's like, well, he's, he actually works as a, as a masseuse. It's a chiropractor. And he has a practice in town here. So, we go to the chiropractor. We walk in with our knife ready. It's a hell of a knife, too. It's a very ornate knife. Very, it's half also sword, a, half knife. Yeah, it's like a dagger <laughs> more than a knife. And uh, Majime walks around this entire clinic trying to find him. Not there. It's like, oh, nobody's here. As he turns around, a woman walks in. And she's like, is someone here? Majima freaks out. Oh, shit. And as he is running up to this woman with a knife, he realizes something. This woman is blind. She can't see at all. She doesn't know he's actually there. In fact, she even mentions, I must have left the door open. So he tries to hide. (laughs) (laughs) And... As she's walking by him, he's holding up a knife and making the most ridiculous face in the world (laughs) (laughs) while trying to press up against the wall. She walks by him and he's like, okay, that was close. And then she turns back around and runs into him. She freaks out, starts calling him a thief. He's like, no, I'm not a thief. I promise I'm not a thief. And uh, finally calms her down. He's like, look, my back is killing me. It's been killing me for like a couple of days. I, I'm looking for for the chiropractor here. She's like, "Well, he's out today. Um, I'm the only person working here today." And so she's like, "But I can help you out. Let me give you a massage." So <laughs> Majima agrees to get a massage from this blind woman. So he's laying there, and. Uh, She's, uh, she's giving him a, uh, a massage. Uh, he's trying to get a little bit more information on this Makoto guy. We also see a picture of this guy. He's freaking massive. <laughs> yep. And they call him God hands. He has, he has the God hands, but, uh, yeah. So, um, while this is going on. Makoto walks in and she's like, Oh, Hey boss. And of course, Majima's like, Oh shit. Cause she can't see. After he's fallen asleep. Yeah. He, he, he fell asleep. He, he then wakes up to this, this guy standing over him, giant man with what looks like Yakuza tattoos going across his body. The guy sees Majima's knife sitting there or dagger sitting there. He's like, Oh, I see what this is. 
he pulls out acupuncture needles and is like, hey, I got some time. Let's give you the acupuncture treatment. And he's like, why don't you, uh, why don't you go down to the store and, and get me some smokes? And she's like, it's going to take me a long time, you know, because I'm blind. He's like, yeah, yeah, take your time. <laughs> the whole time I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to go down. Yep. Yeah, nice, like, building an attention there. Yep. And, and they're, like, they're, they're like sparring with each other, basically, and but doing it silently. Yeah. He's reaching for the knife. The dude throws an acupuncture needle right at his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what was that noise? <laughs> He's like, I dropped something. <laughs> anyway so um, needless to say after this we get into a fight with him this is the only boss fight that I haven't died at and there's a one reason why break dancing <laughs> uh, I was going to say beast mode because I think I picked up every chair in here and bashed him with them. <laughs> I, I beat this guy just doing uh, break dancing moves on him the entire time. But uh, after beating him up, the Yakuza comes in. <laughs> These heavily armed men, particularly one guy with a gun, shows up. And uh, it's like, where is Makoto? To which... Majima is like, uh, he's right. Are you blind? He, yeah, he's right here. And they're like, the Makoto, who we think is Makoto, is like, yeah, I'm, I'm Makoto. And the Yakuza laughs in his face and is like, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, you're not. It's like, yeah, you're the, the chiropractor, Lynn, right? We want to know where Makoto is right now. So, as that is happening, the blind woman comes back in. And Lynn, that we now know as Lynn, the chiropractor, yells to the woman, Makoto, run. <laughs> <laughs> to which I'm like, oh, snap. This, this, this hardcore evil pimp is actually a blind woman. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, the Yakuza then shoots Lin. A few times. A few times. Shoots him in the... He's a big dude. Yeah, shoots him in the leg and in the shoulder. He falls over, and then, of course, they turn to Majima and like, well, we can't have any witnesses here. So we get into a fight with them. Make sure you take out the guy with the gun first, because he will occasionally shoot at you, and it does a lot of damage. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely does. But uh, I was able to beat them. And, uh, yeah. This, so begins the, the chase and ensuing stealth sections escort mission of this game. Majima has to chase down this Makoto. She has been captured by the Yakuza and... We have to get her back because, hey, that's my mark, not yours. Yeah, I, I need to, Yeah, I don't know why he would care so much, assuming he's still trying to kill her. Yeah. 
Um, dead is dead, right? Sure. But anyway, uh, we have to beat up a bunch of Yakuza, and then we have another game mechanic where we have to hide in plain sight while the other Yakuza are running around the streets. Dude, I got caught like five times and had to fight all these guys. Yeah, I think I think I got caught once, but it might have been twice. But I wasn't sure. No, I think I got caught once because then you you have like one or two mandatory fights at the end. Yeah. And uh, I was a little concerned because her stamina, if you, if that's what it is, goes down pretty quick when they're trying to tug her away. Yeah, the best thing to do is is just wait for somebody to try to grab her and then attack that guy. Yep. Yeah, this is where I was back to uh, full break dancing. Yeah. If, because you can't hit her, so if I can if I can just start my little whirlwind kicks right next to her, then nobody can can lay a hand on her. Exactly. That's exactly what I did. So, um, yeah, uh, we eventually get away from the Yakuza. Um, before that, one of the Yakuza guys, we have like, hey, why are you after this person? We beat him up. He's like, you don't get it. You don't know what you're just stepping into. Yep. And right before he passes out, he says that. It's a classic line. Yep. So, um, Majima then takes her to uh, kind of like a back alley area. They're safe for now. She's scared. She collapses on the ground, grabbing a hold of Majima's leg. Majima looks down at her, pulls out the knife, and holds it up as if he is getting ready to stab her. And then it cuts. And that's Face the, to black. And that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> And I was like, that's a hell of a chapter right there. Yep. There is one other piece of information that I forgot to mention, and I don't know why it slipped my mind, but I think it's going to play a big part later on. While we were talking to the girl that told us about, the girl we took on a date, basically. Akko. Yeah. Uh, who told us about the pimp that... that Makoto, this Makoto person is the nicest person ever. Mm-hmm. She she also asked about our tattoo. Oh, yeah. And she said that Makoto is actually looking for somebody who has a tattoo of a bat. And he's like, well, I don't have a tattoo of a bat. I have a tattoo of like a, a, a devil. And I'm like, okay. So... I get the feeling as soon as we find a Yakuza with a tattoo of a bat, we're in for some trouble. (laughs) But uh, that is where we stopped. That is also about nine to ten hours into this game. Yeah, I think I'm a little over ten. So the only other thing I really did is I did one side mission. Right. Uh, I I don't know if you did any or, or if you did this one, but... I think it was when I was trying to get the liquor, I showed up to one of the convenience marts. Yep. And there was a line formed that, that had formed outside of it. Yep. We're waiting in line to buy something, and turns out it's a video game like Arakure. And talks to basically everybody in line, and, and the, the little kid at the end of the line 
he's talking about how he saved up all his money to get the game and you know this this is the most important game and he's been waiting for so long for it and he just can't wait to play it did did you do this one or did you do any of them i i initiated that one i talked to the kid but i had no idea what to do then yeah i initiated a few this is the only one i finished so i i i talked to everybody in line talked to the kid then went inside to buy my liquor then came back out and the kid is getting robbed so oh, he's God. got the game and some like punk kid is stealing the game from him and, and then runs down the street so i you know i was like don't worry kid I, i'll get this game back for you ran down the street uh as i'm approaching where that guy is he somebody steals the game from him oh god and then i fight the kid and then he's like, ah, and, and Kiryu's like, you know, give me the game back. This isn't yours. You stole it from this kid. And he's like, well, I, I can't because that guy stole it from me. So you end up chasing that guy. and You're like, hey, you stole that from a punk kid who stole it from a child. And it, it chains together like three different times where you meet up with the person and the game's just been stolen from them. And you fight somebody, and they're like, well, you stole it from this older guy who stole it from the punk kid who stole it from the kid who just bought it. <laughs> and then you and, and then you get to the end, and this guy, this guy's like, oh, well, I have to play this, and I've got the sob story because, you know, I'm going through a divorce, and, I, you know, this game's the only way I can connect with my kid, and I can't afford to buy it for him. And it turns out that he's the father of the kid who bought it in the first place. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then... In in the end, he's like, oh, I did. I didn't think that, you know, I was just trying to give my kid a, you know, a happy day. I didn't realize I was putting some other person's kid out just to make my kid happy. And then the kid and the father go off and play the game together and have a little happily ever after. And then he get he gives you like a katana. You get, you get like a katana as a reward. But weapons break in this game. Yeah, I haven't used it for anything yet. But... Right. Except for Majima's bat. Yeah, they can pull out of thin air. Yep. So I've done multiple side stories. I pretended to be a producer for a television show. They uh, they want to cure you to stand in as a producer and just pretend to be a big shot in front of the director. So I had to pretend to be to know what I was talking about. <laughs> and then the real producer shows up and gets mad and I had to fight him. So I beat up that guy. As Majima, I um get this little girl a toy because she's she's staring at the toy with at the claw machine. Yeah. And I get her a toy. And then I also, as Majima, pretended to be this girl's boyfriend and went and met her father. <laughs> and in the end, the father realized that I was just pretending to be the boyfriend. And he realized that he's putting too much pressure on his daughter to get married. Um, I think that's it. I did play Japanese chess and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, and then I also did, oh, we all did karaoke that one time. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning. <laughs> but that's so far, and I did catch a fish. 
Oh, I haven't caught any fish yet. Yeah, I caught a fish was Majima. But uh, that's pretty much all I've done. Uh, and I did a, a couple of things with the uh, the people who can get me uh, crafting materials and weapons. Did you do any of the extra training? You know, we've got a lot of potential teachers now to teach us different skills in the fighting styles. Yeah, I did uh, the one where you have to dodge without attacking. Mm. Like the guy, the guy who who loves Kiryu and wants him to become a prize fighter. He's like, yeah, I, I bet people money that they can't ever hit you. Yeah, th- that's I, I did that one. Um, yeah, he's got his whole story of like, I'm so good, nobody will even fight me anymore. Yep, that's Bacchus, isn't it? Bacchus, yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I want to go uh, uh, talk to the breakdancing kid because that's what I want to learn. Yeah. I want to learn some breakdancing moves. And so what is the what is the difference of being taught moves versus just buying moves. I don't know. I don't know. I will have to. They maybe that un- more. unlock like tiers. Yeah, it's, I'll have to figure that out. But maybe they unlock the tiers that you can then purchase. Possibly. I'm not entirely sure. In fact, Although, I haven't done much upgrading. Yeah, I haven't done much upgrading. Um, and I've also ran into that big giant dude twice already. And oh. good luck beating that dude. Yeah, I've seen him a couple of times and successfully avoided him after the first one, but yeah. And if you lose to him, you lose all your money. So, no. Don't want to deal with that guy anymore. Hmm. But that's uh that's where we stopped. I do have an email I want to read out. Comes in from Chad. Uh, the title is Breaking the Law, Breaking the World, Judgment. Judgment. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's spelled J-U-H-J-A-M-E-N-T. <laughs> Judgment. Judgment. <laughs> says, uh, howdy gents. Oh, Yakuza. You wonderful series where every game is a mystery based on a conspiratorial power struggle for money. I was first introduced to the series in 2017, starting with Yakuza 0. I had never played a Yakuza game before then. I had always heard it was a goofy beat-em-up and never really had any interest. However, I heard someone talking about the story for Yakuza 0 one day and it sounded intriguing. So I figured I would one day... Uh, so I would have figured I'd give it a go. After the first few chapters, I ended up getting hooked and fell in love. Side note, I have never cared very much for the gameplay, though. This is primarily the story I love. After finishing Yakuza 0 in November of 2017, I decided I was going to play through the whole series in chronological order. That's I, a good good idea. I am just now finishing my playthrough of the series, including Judgment. And I'm on the last two chapters of Like a Dragon. Yes, Mm. you heard me right. It has taken me a little over three years to play through the entire series. Nine games. Granted, 
I was playing plenty of other games in between, but I have basically been juggling at least one Yakuza game at any point over time over the past few years. So, good luck to you. I'm assuming you both have completed Chapter 5 and have done a superb job at summarizing the complex story. Well, we haven't completed Chapter 5, completed Chapter 6, or Chapter 4, um... I usually feel pretty lost and confused at the be- at the beginning of every Yakuza story, but magically everything starts to make sense about halfway through, once I have a better understanding of the character relationships in various organizations. Practically the end of every chapter has some sort of twist or turn that you wouldn't expect. However, I will give you a few lingering thoughts to ponder. Now this mm-hmm. may, uh, hopefully this isn't jo- jump into chapter 5 too much. We'll see. Someone is essentially framing Kiryu, but who is it? Does it really have anything to do with Kiryu specifically, or is it just a pawn? It's implied that Kuze is pulling the strings since he showed up when Kiryu was interrogating the Toko credit uh, money lender that gave him the job, resulting in the dead guy. And then he ended up dead too after Kiryu left. But that all seems a little too easy. The three Dojima family lieutenants are vying for Kazum's Cosmo's uh, captain position, Kiryu's adopted father, while he's in jail. Believing uh, Dojima will give one of them the position if they can deliver ownership of the empty lot. Kashiwagi, Cosmo's right-hand man, there we go, tells Kiryu he's believed someone from the inside of the clan, probably Kuze, tipped off the police that got Kazuma gambling Kazuma's gambling event busted. However, Tachibana says Kazuma had previously reached out to him before being arrested and believed that it was all part of the plan. Did Kazuma himself get arrested on purpose? Why? Why would Kazuma seek assistance outside of the Tojo clan, meaning Tachibana reality? And how did he pre-plan that Kiryu would end up being excommunicated? Everybody says the tiny, empty lot is the last parcel of underdeveloped property in Kamarocho, and which, uh, whichever group, Yakuza or Tachibana, gets it will tip the money and powers for the city. That only kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Maybe there's something else that's important about that tiny lot. Despite all the information, all the information that works, no one knows who owns that lot, and everybody is in is in a race to figure it out. That's just the first part. Then you need to figure out how to take ownership from that person. Wait, so is Tachibana not the owner? I thought he did buy it. Uh, I don't know. He may just be trying to buy it. That, gotcha. that sounds right. Okay, maybe, I, maybe I'm, I'm completely wrong. I don't know. Uh, so here, <clears throat> as for Majima, he is being punished, basically servitude to Sagawa, Sagawa of the Ami Alliance, rivals to the Tojo clan, who is the blood brother of Shimano, head of the Shimano family in the Tojo clan. Since Majima is technically a citizen now, Shimano can entrust his servitude to someone he trusts in the rival clan, but Majima is really trying to get back into the Tojo clan. 
It's alluded that Majima is being punished for conspiring to assassinate the head of the Yuno clan, or the Yuno family, Tojo clan. Okay, so he's part of the Tojo clan. The Yuno family is part of the Tojo clan. Uh, with his blood brother, Seijima. Seijima succeeds with the assassination years ago, but Majima is captured by the Shimano family, his own family, before the attempt. However, they don't say anything at this point as to why they were trying to assassinate the head of another Tojo family. FYI, this plays a big part in the story for Yakuza 3. Uh, that's interesting. I I wouldn't have necessarily thought that they were this tight. That the, you know, the, the story and the, the feuds are still you still relevant, I guess, three games later. Yeah, the Kingpin guy shows back up. That you see. The one you said it reminded you of Kingpin? Yep, Kingpin yeah. with dramatic eyebrows. Yes. Uh, Sagawa, Majima's handler, convinces him he can get back into the Shimano family if he pulls off an assassination for him. Which is what got which is what got him in trouble in the first place. He tells him the target is a man named uh, Makimura and gives him a clue on where to find him. Majima tracks him to a massage parlor only to find out Makimura is actually a young blind girl under the protection of Lee. AKA the massive man. He figures this out as some other Yakuza guys try to kidnap her, but Lee is killed and Majima runs away with her. Why did Saga want Makimura dead? Did he know Makimura was actually a blind girl? Why did the Yakuza show up to kidnap her, and what family do they belong to? It will all make sense eventually, trust me. Till next time, Chad. Mm. He also has one more thought. Mr. Lee, Makimura's protector, was fixated on trying to find a guy with a bat tattoo. Hmm, have we seen anyone with a bat tattoo yet? Not that I know of. Yeah, maybe I haven't been paying enough attention to tattoos. Yeah, I guess so. There's a lot of dragons and tigers. Yeah. I know we saw Kuze's back pretty clearly. Yep. As he was severing. Huh. Those are some good questions. And you actually explained a good amount of stuff that I, I probably should have read that email before and maybe would have been able to convey better than in this two hour long episode. Because I can't remember people or their names or their affiliations. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Matt, what do you think so far? I mean, I, as you called it last week, yeah, I'm I'm liking it quite a lot. Uh, there there were some really good moments of like character tension and drama in this, where I you know I was I was fairly well glued to to what was coming next, and you know especially let's say the end of chapter one when Kiryu wants his way out of the family, and you're not sure exactly how it's going to go down. I also that that was a good you know for for me that was great you're like all right is he out or are they going to kill him and there's a few points where you know something happens you know there's a, there's kind of an options and neither of them happen and it, it ends up worse for him 
than you know than anything that he was really planning. You know, I, I don't know. There was just a, there was just a lot of good points where it was taking small unexpected turns, and uh, you know between that and the strong characters, uh, you know, it was just really. You know, really glued to this from start to finish. You know, I, I love the scenes. We didn't really mention them. There, not a lot that happens there, but when you get to see Majima back at his apartment, that is about the most austere, you know, comfortless apartment you can possibly imagine. Yeah, right. He literally sleeps on the floor and just pulls a blanket over him. Doesn't even use a pillow. Uses his arm as a pillow. His entire apartment is basically a small table where he holds his cigarettes. And a blanket on the floor. That's it. Yep. And you know, in 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 my mind, there's probably a lot of ways you can read into that. But you know, to me, the most obvious thing is that's just how much he doesn't want to be here, how much he doesn't want this life, and he wants to get back to the the yakuza. He, you know, none of this matters. It's all temporary. It's all a means to an end. There's and a, there's you know, also there's also that one other thing I forgot to mention. Either Majima thinks he's being watched, or Majima's yep. being watched. Yep, I was gonna say that that one scene was a little a little creepy, to be honest. Where he's opens his window and he leans out smoking, and there's all these people. Everybody kind of looks looks up to him. It looks at him. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're right. I, even that I thought was well handled because you don't know if it's in his mind or not. But it... you know, I, I think just overall the quality of the writing, the characters, the everything it's just really really well handled yeah this is this is great this is classic yakuza for me and that chapter 3 of the the, the way they do a little bit of setting your expectations and then very clearly defying them yeah you know to to your point and i wasn't aware of majima's history at all that you know that's interesting as well but i really like how they how they make Sagawa, his boss, you know, seem a little timid and scared. And in the end, you know, he owns basically the whole place. And, you know, he's Yakuza himself, even though he's you know, worried that they might hang out in this type of an establishment. Right. But yeah, I like both characters. I find them both kind of fascinating. Oh, absolutely. I think it's... I, th- I can't wait to see where this goes. But uh, we're gonna wrap up. It's uh it's a uh, ten sixteen, and I have to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, if you would like to send us an email, it's Drew at ztgd dot com. Uh, talk to us about Yakuza, man. There's a lot here to discuss. Uh, you can also follow us all on Twitter. I am at Drew Leachman. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ztgd phoenix down. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for us. Uh, I don't know how far we're going to try and make it. We may do four chapters. That's pushing it, but we're going to try. I'm sure they probably get longer, but you never know. But uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, be back next week. Until then, though, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great week. And we'll be back next week with the continuation of Yakuza Zero. Mm-hmm.